Testament church, the church uh, that we see in the New Testament in the book of Acts. The book of Acts was written by a man named Luke, who also wrote the book of Luke, which was a gospel, which was an account of Jesus. What's interesting about Luke is that Luke never saw Jesus. He was never a disciple. He was actually a physician. And he must have been very wealthy because he spent years and years not practicing medicine, following the disciples around. But if you know physicians and people that are maybe like that, he's a very detail-oriented person. And he wasn't a Jewish person. He was actually from, uh, he was a Gentile. He wanted to make sure that all the accounts were in order. That's what he talked about. I want, I, people have tried to sit down and make this orderly account, but I'm going to sit down and make it. And his whole uh what he contributes to the Bible is that he not only uh, has these personal eyewitness stories that he accounts and puts together uh, of his version of the gospel, his, pers his perspective, his view, but he also was there to tag along with Paul as Paul came into the fold of God, became an apostle, and was able to kind of, ca kind of canonize or catalog or document uh, the church. And what's interesting about Luke is that the book of Luke never ends. It never ends. It's never really ended. Some scholars believe there was another part to Luke, or excuse me, to Acts. But most of us, most um, biblical scholars just believe that it was a way of God saying that the church won't end until I come. Amen. That we are actually still writing the book of Acts. And the, book, the church in Acts was unique. It was different. It's not necessarily the model of what church should be like, because the times were different, uh, the situations were different, but it was such, it's such a great picture of what family should feel like and what home should feel like, because people in those days, they followed Jesus, and here's the truth about it, they didn't have a Bible, they didn't have a church to go to, they didn't have a denomination, they didn't have any of that structure. They were just people who believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. They were people who believed that message in its simplicity. And because of this, people were ridiculed, they were criticized, uh, they were killed, they were fired. And so in the church, in the home, the family, the community that was built, God, uh, Jesus had designed it so that those who maybe in society were upper class or, or lifted up, that they would be lowered. And that those who were lower class and slaves and people who were common servants, they would be exalted. That in that culture where men were considered uh, the ones in public to be leaders and intellectuals, but God would lift women up to places of authority. And so this whole dynamic changed in the context of the church, that people who were high were brought low. People who were low were brought up. And so the whole community was there to build people up to feel like Home. So let me say it this way. Community basically means we were not made to live alone. Amen. It's not the way we were designed. That's not the way Adam and Eve were designed. They weren't designed to live alone. They were designed to live in community. You're not designed to live at home. The enemy's got you really good when he's got you by yourself. He's got you good. When you're dealing with stuff by yourself, when you're making decisions in your own mind, when you're reflecting and dwelling in your own pain, that's when the enemy's, when he's got you cornered and isolated, feeling like I don't really need anybody else, I can just do this on my own, that's counter your spirit, how you are designed. You are designed to be in community. 
And that's why some people will get hooked into unhealthy practices, get hooked into negative lifestyles. Even though what they're doing is killing them, they'll stay because they're in community. They'll stay because they found community with people, even though the, oh, the behavior is unhealthy. But the reality is that community is not true community because community that builds you up is the right community, not community that keeps you where you are. Because those communities that are unhealthy, uh, you know, the guys you hang out with and the people you do this with and people you gossip with or whatever negative thing that they're doing, while the fellowship and the community is there, you feel like nobody understands me, those people can't help you. And you can't help them. Only Jesus can help you. And God's people can help you. And so community is, we need that because we're not made to live alone. So we've been talking about community, and here's the distinctive thing, is that there is a sense of belonging, right? The first community that you ever experienced was actually your home. It was designed for you to feel like you belonged. That was the way your family was supposed to feel. And I brought this definition to you last week about what belonging means. Most of you are here today because you felt a sense of belonging. You, may, you felt like, I should come today. There's something there. There's a reason that pulls you here. And a lot of that is belonging. Now, some of you may feel like, well, I don't really, really belong. Like, I don't come that much or I don't know anybody. Can we just bust that right out? Let's just bust that out. That you belong here because not only do we need you, but you need us. And the, wherever your journey is, we want to journey with you. We're not trying to get you to do something or try to make you do what we do. It's just that there's a sense of belonging that exists that I love about this church, that that needs to increase. And that's why we're doing small groups. And that's why we're teaching about what it should feel like, what home should feel like. So I brought these two meetings last week and what it means to belong. One was to be related to, as I mentioned, like a family, right? You're related to people and they say, you're my family. You go to the Family reunion, you got that uncle who always asks you for money, right? <laughs> let me hold something, cuz. You know, come on, nephew, let me hold something. Um, I like the definition to say that it's the opposite of feeling like I'd rather be somewhere else. It's when you feel like I belong. If you feel like I'd really rather be somewhere else right now, there's not a strong sense of belonging there in that, in that community. But when you feel that way, that I can rest, I can go to bed right now, I can go to sleep, and I know that I'm loved by the people around me. That's what belonging should feel like. I love the other definition. It talks about uh, not only just this, this sense of belonging to the family, but actually being a owner of the community. Have you thought about it this way? Belonging means you act like a creator, a co-owner of that community. In other words, you contribute to it. You're responsible for what it feels like, what it looks like. Uh, children, as you're growing up in your parents' home, as you, the more you grow up, the more responsibilities you get, like chores, like doing stuff like that. Y'all kids you know what I'm talking about? Y'all still get chores these days? Chores are to teach you that you're a part of the family. You contribute. You are an owner of the family. You are a part of this. It's, if you bring something negative, the family feels it. If you bring something positive, the family feels it. And that's the way belonging should feel in a church, especially. Really, a church is a community of people that feel belonging. That's really what it is. 
It's not about fancy lights. It's not about music or great preaching. It's do I belong there? And that's why people will stay in a church that's jacked up. You know, because they don't care about how the walls look. They don't care about the pastor can preach. They don't care if they're teaching the right thing. They don't care. They just feel like they belong. And that's where some churches get it wrong because they feel like well, if we have the best music and we teach the right thing and we just, we're presenting the best thing consistently, but nobody, if nobody feels like they belong there, it's not really church. And so we're talking about this because we want God to make, we, I'm sorry, God wants us to make room. God wants us to make room. Why? Because there's some things that are important to him that he wants us to have. We've got a lot of stuff in our life that's important to, to us. Those who get married or someone moves in with them, a family member or something like that, you've got to make some quick decisions about what's important to you. Especially some of you married men, you realized right away that this trophy that I won for bowling in 1995, doesn't belong on the living room table anymore. I can't, I can't put that there. Because someone else says, this is more important to me for this house to look like a home and not a locker room, right? And so God says the same thing. He's like, you got some trophies in your life that I need to move out the way. You got some stuff that I want to bless you with. I want to give you a new couch. You're attached to that old, beat-up, rich couch. I want to give you something brand new, and you got to make some room for it. So how do we do it? We make room by preparing a place that feels like home. Because a part of receiving what God has for you is you got to do some preparation. So as I mentioned last week, when you have someone come over your house, at least this is the way I am, you claim like a monster. Does anybody do that? Like if you have somebody coming over and you just like, I mean, you're cleaning everywhere. You're cleaning places you don't normally clean. Because when somebody's coming over your house, you want to make sure it's prepared, right? Mm -hmm. You don't take shortcuts, right? You don't just use that same glass. You just keep rinsing out, no matter if it's milk or juice or whatever. <laughs> you, you, you make sure you got the right forks that match, right? You give people towels that match. Like you, Your towels don't match. My towels never match. I don't care. I just need a, a little towel and a big towel. I don't have to match. But when somebody comes over, right, it's got to match. It's got to look right. And you prepare a place differently when you're expecting company. And that's the shift that we are making as a church. In a few weeks, we're going to be making some the change to new movement. And Amen. we're making room for God's people. Amen. We're doing things so that people can feel and know that they belong here. We're not doing it for ourselves. Because when it's for yourself, you take shortcuts. You put your feet up on the couch, right? You just put your stuff anywhere. But when you're expecting people to come and you want them to feel like home, you take an ownership perspective. You say, I'm going to make sure everyone who comes through these doors knows that they belong. Amen. And so as we go into this series, I want you to think about it personally, what God wants to make room in you personally. I want you to think about your family, your unit, whoever you're with. Think about what it means, what God wants to make room for in that, and what does God want to make room for in our family, our collective of people who belong to God. So here's the first point I want to make. It's the whole message. If you're going to make some room, if you're going to prepare to make room, here's my message. All, the whole day, I'm just going to unpack this right here. You have to prepare 
to be surprised. You have to prepare to be surprised. When God wants to make room in your life, in your family, in your church, you're going to have to prepare for surprises. Because you know what God likes to do? He likes to surprise us. Here's the interesting thing. God is not surprised. Now, I want to say that because we pray and talk to God like he's surprised. But mm -hmm. <laughs> God, didn't you know that I'm about to this? Don't you? I mean, I just want to let you know that I'm getting ready. And God's like, I'm not surprised by this. I've been knowing about this. I'm not surprised. You're surprised. Right. And the good thing about what the Bible teaches us is that God doesn't tempt us. You know what that means? He's not punking us. Right? He's, he, he's not trying to, 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 you know how you watch those shows? What do you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? I didn't write it down. Punk shows, prank shows. You watch those on YouTube, the prank shows, you know, scare people after death. God doesn't do that. God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't cause fear. He doesn't surprise us to scare us. He's not like, ah, I got you, you know. He doesn't do that. But he does, the things that he brings to us, he likes the element of surprise. Now, I don't know how I feel about being surprised. I don't know. I don't really feel like, I'm a pretty easygoing person. Um, you know, I'm not, don't get too rattled by a lot of stuff. I'm not like a control freak, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about being surprised. Every year, this church has surprised me for pastor's appreciation. And I've tried. I told them, don't do anything. Please don't. Don't do anything this year, by the way. Just, if you want to, if you want to do something good for me, invite somebody to your small group. Invite somebody to church for the whole month. That'll bless me. Right. And put something in the offering. Not for me, though, but for the church. But anyway, I, so every week, every time they surprise me, I, I am genuinely surprised. I'm not expecting it. Now, I was surprised last night because I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I was visiting my family, and I got a text that says, your flight is canceled. Surprise. <laughs> I called Alaska and said, what do you mean? My flight is canceled. Yes, your flight from Pasco to, from Seattle to Pasco is canceled. The earliest flight we can get you out is 3 o'clock. So that's not going to work. Y'all going to have to do something about this. I need to be at church. And the man said, I can't do anything about it. So guess what I had to do? I had to call Avis and say, Avis, I'm arriving at 9 o'clock. I need to rent a car so I can drive from Seattle to be here at church. You weren't surprised, but I was surprised. Was I anticipating the four-hour drive this morning? No. But you know what God did? He surprised me. Because as I was driving, he was speaking. As I was listening to some, I went old school, Charles. I went to commission. I went to the Winans. I went to Walter Hawkins. I went to John P. Key. I went back in the day and got my praise on. And I was surprised that God said, you didn't know this, but I just needed some time with you. I need you to make room. Before you get there, I need you to make room. And that was the quickest quick I ever trip I ever drove from, from Seattle here because God said, surprise. And I just wonder if sometime this week you got caught off guard and maybe it caught you off guard and you were upset about a delay. And maybe you're upset about something that happened and what God was trying to do was surprise you 
and bring room to your life. Maybe what you got impatient about was something God strategically put in place to surprise you. Maybe you didn't know that you'd be able to recover from the breakup. Maybe you didn't know that you'd be stronger than you were in that situation. Maybe you didn't know that you weren't going to cuss your coworker out this time. Maybe you didn't know that you had an ability and a proficiency inside of you that God built you for and that God was waiting to surprise you to show you that you have already mastered this. Now I'm going to bring you to something different and I'm going to surprise you not just what I'm capable of, but what you're capable of. Surprise. You've got to be prepared to be surprised. And I love in the New Testament as we look at this church, I want to show you some things that the, chip, that the people in this church were surprised about. God, what God, how God surprised them. Because he was making room in the church. He was doing something different. And he surprised them. Can I show you a few things? So we're going to be in the book of Acts. Chapter 1, chapter 2. Now I really need to do a blitz a highlight version of this. I really can't um, go through every single verse. I wish I could, but I can't. So we're going to skip around a little bit, but we're going to start in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Now what's happening is that Jesus is raised from the dead. He spent a little time with his disciples, and he's preparing so that he can leave. He's going back to heaven to do a different role as high priest and to prepare a place for us. He's making room in heaven for us. He's not just up there building homes. No, I don't know if he's doing that. But he is making room for us. He is doing and completing the work of salvation for us. And so what he's telling, he's preparing his disciples for, it says, I'm getting ready to tag team, and I'm going to send you this gift of the Holy Spirit. And I need you to make room for him. So here's what the Bible says, Acts chapter 4, or 1, verse 4. So once, this is Jesus, when he was eating with them, he commanded them. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised you. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm getting ready to make room. And you, you need to be prepared for this. And there's some things that are going to surprise you. Look at verse 8. This would have surprised them. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. He lists these places. Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to know he's preparing them for a surprise. He's preparing them for a surprise. He's telling them that I'm going to expand your ministry. You're not just going to do it in this area. You're going to go out and go to places with people that don't like you and that you don't like. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's going to give you power to do something different with a different group of people. Does that sound familiar? He said, I, I want you to get ready to do life with people that you don't know. I'm getting ready to put you in a group where you're going to learn and be stretched for people that you don't know, but they're your people. Right. They're your people that I have called, but you don't know them yet. And so here in verse uh, 12, he tells them, um, at verse 12, he says, the apostles return to Jerusalem. Jesus goes up to heaven. He returns to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, about a half a mile. When they arrived, they were upstairs, in the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. The Bible list who was there. 
The names of who were there? Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, and Judas of James. Judas, son of James. So there was only 11 of them because one was missing, the other Judas. He had passed away. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Here's the surprise. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brother of Jesus. Here's the first surprise. You've got to be surprised. You're going to be surprised with who's with you. When God wants to make room, you're going to be surprised by who's with you. The disciples started off with 12. And there were 70 other disciples. But the Bible says when Jesus told them, I need you guys to wait for the Holy Spirit. It's them, the one who's not there. But then the Bible says there's some women. The mother of Jesus and the brother of James. Or brother of Jesus. So now... There's some new people that's with them. Now let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So now we've got, I didn't have time to read all this, but now we've got more people. There's even more people now. There's almost 120 people that are in this room. See, when God wants to make room in your life, he's going to surprise you with who's with you. Don't, don't resist who God's putting in your room. Don't resist what God is setting up. There's going to be some people who are going to be with you that you weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be preparing you for what God wants to do. So now that he's elevating people and putting more people in the room, he's putting what he needs in the room before he pours out his spirit. And here's the thing. They might not have been all good with who was in the room, but it didn't matter because they were united in prayer. They were coming together for a cause and for a reason. And so I want you to write this down. Be surprised by who is with you. Here's the second point. I want you to be, you might be surprised by what's on you. You might be surprised by what's on you. Let's keep going in the text. So we're going to Acts, same, uh, Acts 2. Now we're going to look at verses the rest of the, uh, verses 2 through 6. So they're all together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like, what does it look like? Flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now I just want to back up ladies. You got to be a deep sister. I'm just saying that you're in a room, you're in prayer meeting, you're in church. And what looks like flames of fire settling over your head, okay? <laughs> I don't know if there's some sisters in this room. I'm, I'm just, because I know how y'all feel about your hair. So I'm just saying, you looking around the room and seeing flames settling up, right? You're not, you're not a little terrified of that? Okay, I'll just keep going. <laughs> y'all just may not read the Bible like I do. I just... See those kind of things. So, so here comes fire that settles on them. And everyone who was present was filled. Everyone. Were there women in the room? Yeah. 
Were there men in the room? Yes. Were there like maybe some awkward random people that showed up? Maybe. maybe? We don't know who's in there. It's always somebody awkward and random that shows up to everything. <laughs> right? So people that they weren't expecting. I bet you there were some people they thought were going to be there, but they weren't. But they're in the room. And they get now who did he do, who did he promise it to? He promised it to the disciples face to face. But they're in the room. See, some things just happen when you're in the room. You don't even have to be invited to it. But just because you're there in the room, you're connected. So the Holy Spirit pours out. And here's what happened. They began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now that is a surprise. They were surprised that the Holy Spirit was upon them. Upon them. Can I just can I just surprise you that this may happen? You might be surprised that the Holy Spirit, that God feels his Holy Spirit in you. You may feel like I'm not qualified. You may feel like, now what do I got to do? Don't I have to do some Bible studies? Don't I have to be baptized? Don't I have to do all this stuff? You might be surprised that as God is making room in your life, that he wants to fill you as much as them with the Holy Spirit. Now, are you going to speak in tongues? I don't know. Are you going to speak in unknown languages? I have no idea. Are you going to speak in known languages? Hopefully, if you're going to school and taking a second language, maybe that'll be good timing. But you don't know what God wants to do. He might be choosing you to say, you're the one. I don't want you to just be fed. I want you to feed. I don't want you to just be sitting. I want you to lead. I don't want you to be sitting in here. I want you to be preparing a place for people to feel like home. You might be surprised that all this time you thought God was choosing someone else, but he's actually choosing you because you made the decision to be in the room today. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you want to praise God that he chose you. Just saying, Joseph. So you might be surprised with what's on you because these people were not expecting the way the Holy Spirit fell on them. So you might be surprised with who's with you. You might be surprised with what's on you. And you might be surprised with what's in you. Now we got to go here and continue the story. So here they are. They're speaking in these, these tongues. Now let's go to verse 5. I don't think I put verse 5 in there. Um, but let's see. I didn't. But let me give you a context. Oh, somebody did. Great. So at this time. Uh, where they are, there's some devout Jews. There were some people who were coming for Pentecost. So Pentecost was a part of the celebration of the Passover. Remember, Jesus was killed through that time. 50 days after Passover was Pentecost. So people made this pilgrimage to Jerusalem that were believers from all over the place. Look what the Bible says. They were from all, from every nation living in Jerusalem. There were people from every nation living in Jerusalem. Look at this. When they heard the loud noise, they're not in the room, but they heard it. How loud is a windstorm of the Holy Spirit so that people who weren't even in the room, the Bible says, came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. 
So they're in this room. The Holy Spirit fills them. And the first manifestation of it, the first outward gift of it, is that they begin speaking in languages that are not native to them. And all these people who are from other nations come running because they heard the sound. They show up and they hear all these people speaking in their own language. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee. These people are from the east side of Pasco. How in the world are they speaking Mandarin? How in the world are they speaking Croatian and Russian and Patois? What, what's going on? I didn't know. Let's keep reading. They were amazed. These are people from Galilee, yet they hear them speaking in our own native languages. Now, I don't have time to read all these different places, but they're from literally all over the world. I'll skip down to verse 11. We hear all these people speaking our own language about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? Now, let me connect this back. Because remember what Jesus said. Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, not just here, but I'm going to send you across the world. But look what God did. God sent the world to them. And the power of God was so powerful in them that they were able to communicate to them the good news about God in their own language. I want you to understand the power of this. That they had no idea of the power of which was in within them. Can I just tell you that you might be surprised about what the Spirit can do inside of you. And what walls and barriers the Holy Spirit can break through with people that don't speak your language. You may be able to, un they can understand something. You're like, I'm, I'm from a different part of town. I'm from, man, I'm from Hermiston. I, I'm from, I'm from Granger. There's no way I can understand you. Not in the church. See, the church is the place where everybody can be understood. Church is the place where God puts people that belong so that they can hear in their own native tongue the good things that God has done. You might be surprised with what's in you. You may be surprised with the power that God wants to use you. These people were completely amazed that they showed up and that there was no barriers for them to hear the gospel. There was no barriers for them preventing them from hearing about the good news of God. You might be surprised who's with you. You might be surprised what's on you. You might be surprised what's in you. Here's the last one. You might be surprised who's not with you. So they're amazed. Verse 12 says. Remember, they're believers from all over the place. And here's the thing. Believers have something in common. See, you may think that someone in your group, maybe if you're in a small group this week, looks totally different. They're from a different background, different age, different everything. But there's something that's uniting you together. There's something in God that's bringing believers together. And when believers are together, there's always something in common. There's a commonality and there's a community that's built. Why? Because God is also a part of building the community. And his presence and his spirit is what brings us together, regardless of where we're from, regardless of what we know. Even though you may feel like I'm not really a church person, and maybe somebody in my group knows the Bible, it doesn't matter. God brings us together. 
So they're all together, but look at verse 13. Bible says, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. I want you to see this. There was a miraculous sound that people heard. They came rushing to the place where they were. When they got there, something supernatural was happening. Very visibly, people who should not know the languages that they're speaking are speaking of the good things of God in people's native language that they're hearing. Some people are witnessing a miracle. Witnessing, remember, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not like those people are like, I'm going to fill you up, boom, I'm out. Like he didn't leave, right? Like the presence... The presence of the Holy Spirit is there. They're in, the, they're in the presence of people filled with the Holy Spirit. But yet they're ridiculing people. They're saying they're just drunk. It's interesting how there are some, you might be surprised. When God makes room in your life for people who are not going to be with you. They're not going to be able to recognize the miracle. They're not going to be able to understand what God is doing. They're not going to be able to see it. And instead of just being quiet, instead of just taking it in and taking a step back, instead of just having reverence for what God is doing in you, they'll turn critical of you. What you mean you ain't drinking no more? What you mean you ain't smoke? What you mean you ain't going to come, come over my house anymore? What's wrong with you? What church are you going to? Oh, they just want to take your money. Oh, is that what you're going to do? Oh, see, people, people will turn critical of you when they don't see what God is doing. Right. How are they going to be in the presence of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking languages that they don't speak, looking around, seeing people from all over the world, listening and being amazed and be like, oh, I'm going to be critical. They're drunk. Not just they're confused. Not just this is a sham. Accusing them of being drunk. And that's all a Holy Ghost filled Peter needed to hear. Because Peter was a bad boy. Now a couple, couple chapters later, Peter would have been dotting some eyes, right? You, you calling me drunk? I'm going to show you what a drunk person can do. All right? Peter doesn't go that. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's go to verse 36. Peter preaches a monster sermon. I don't have time. Peter goes off in the spirit. I mean, he is evident of what God, something shifted in him, and Peter is now the leader of the church. Undisputed, Peter is on fire. He preaches a fire message. You have to go home and read that. And then verse 36, he comes, he starts battling in the spirit, he starts throwing hooks in the spirit. Verse 36, he says, so let everyone in Israel know. Those are fighting words right there. He's like, let everybody. All up in here, under the sound of my voice, listen to what I'm getting ready to say. Let everyone know this for certain, that God has made this Jesus that he's preaching about. This Jesus, look what he says, who you crucified. <laughs> he's not holding no punches out. Let's understand something. This Jesus we're talking about, that you crucified, uh, whom you crucified to be both Lord and and Messiah. He's saying this one, all the debate, let's settle it. Jesus is the one you crucified, Lord and Messiah. Look what the Bible says. Peter's words 
pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? I'm still talking about, don't be, be surprised at who's not with you. So some people get it. He preaches this message. They're pierced to the heart. What should we do? Peter says, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know what he's saying to them? Make room. This is what you need to do. Repent. That means turn around. That means be baptized. That means to be cleansed, forgiven, forgiven of your sins, and remove all the dysfunction, all the sinful lifestyles and desires. Let the Holy Spirit do that, and then be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need you all to make room. And then he says, this promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles. He said, this is not just for you. This is for your children. This is for even people that I've been taught to hate. Look at what the Holy Spirit is doing in his life in this moment. For all the Gentiles, all who have been called by the name of our Lord. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Strongly urging his listeners, save yourself from this crook, crooked generation. Here's verse 41. Here's where I want to land. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Amen. He preached and 3,000 people joined the church. That's a lot of people. But look what the Bible said. Look, we have to look how carefully Dr. Luke puts this in here. Don't miss this. Look what he says. He says, those who believed. If you go back in this chapter, there's one word that's repeated all the time. And I just said it. It's the word all. It says all believers were here. It says all people heard this. It says all, all, all. But Luke makes the distinction here. He says those who believed, which means after the gift of the Holy Spirit, after the evidence of tongues, after the words of Peter, after of the repentance and baptism of 3,000 people, there were some people there that still did not believe. Here's the freedom I want to give you. To give yourself permission to accept that there are some people that are not going to be with you. Because they don't believe. It's not that they won't ever believe, but they just don't believe. And that's the connecting factor in the body of Christ, in the family of God, that we belong. We believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead and is coming again. And that's what makes us sons and daughters, the gift of salvation. And so 
those who did not believe, they stood and witnessed the miracles. So you got to be careful of that because there are people who will look at the miracles in your life and they won't believe. You need to be around people that believe, not just for what God is doing for others, but for what God is doing in you. You need to be in a room where people say, I'm cheering you on. I believe in you. You're going to do it. You're going to accomplish this. You're going to get through it. I see something inside of you that others don't see. I see a leader. I see a preacher. I see a teacher. I see a musician. I see someone who knows how to cook and serve people. I see a story in you and I believe that God is doing something supernatural in you. I believe it and I see the change and I accept it. You might be surprised. You might be surprised of who is not going to walk with you, who is not going to stand with you. But the good news is God is making room and sometimes, unfortunately, it involves a decision to allow people to say, look, I, I love you, but I need you to step outside of this circle. And I need to be around people who I know it feels like home. And what feels like home is people who love you. And what should feel like home is people who support you. Here's the other thing. What feels like home is people who tell you when you're messing up. Who tell you you're making the wrong decision. Those are good things. And people that you may think, you like, I've been friends with my whole life. Let me tell you something. You may be attached to them. You may be friends with them. They may be in your own family. But you belong to the family of God. And when you understand that, you will turn and work as hard as you can to show them that they belong too. But for right now, you need to believe. So here's my question today. God might surprise you. Do you believe? Let, let me, oh, I forgot to put a text. I want to show you this last text. I want to close with this. Look, matter of fact, if you could turn your phone with this, I want you to, I want you to see this. This is Matthew chapter 19, uh, I believe it's verse 26. Can we turn? Save it on your phone. Screenshot it. Make it on your uh, screen save. Let's see. I think it's Matthew 26. Yes. Look what Jesus says. Jesus looked at them. This is Matthew 19, verse 26. He was talking to his disciples. Look what he says. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. He's talking about something. But with God, everything is possible. Other versions would say, all things are possible for those who believe. So Jesus is saying, all I need you to do is believe. And if you believe, make room. You might be surprised by what I do. You might be surprised by where you are. You might be surprised that the dream you had is not dead. You might be surprised that the marriage you wanted is not over. You might be surprised that the kids you have are not lost. You might be surprised that the financial goals are not over yet. You can still meet them if you just make room. Set aside your plans. Do what Peter said. Repent and be baptized. Turn it around. Make a different decision. Allow yourself to be in the room. And let the Holy Spirit anoint you. I remember um, our family, me and my wife, when we were married. We, let's say, God made room in our lives. And we were surprised. 
by the room he made in our lives. And that surprise had two legs, two arms, ten fingers, two toes, little mouth, long hair. We were surprised. Holy says, I'm making room. Then, a couple years later, God decided again. Surprise! I want you to make some room. And it was interesting how I watched the three times that God chose to surprise us. How Missy's body transformed to make room. It was stretching. It was moving. She had to consume different things. She had to lay different. She had a different schedule. But you know what? What we were expecting those three times, it changed everything that we did. Because we had to prepare for who God was bringing in our lives. We had to get different furniture. We had to get a different car. Some of you have been through this. And God was like surprised. And it maybe wasn't the timing that we were expecting, but it was the time that God expected. And so there's something about realizing that God wants to make room. You know how, how if, you're, if you've carried a child, you know how you are. You know how protective you are of your stomach. You know how it feels. If you've been pregnant, you know how it feels. And you know what's important to you. What's interesting about the human body, the female body especially, is that when you're expecting, the baby takes first priority, doesn't it? I don't care if you drink milk or not. That baby's getting something from your body somewhere. It is drawing out from you the very thing that it needs to grow. And what I'm trying to tell you is that God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit and put inside of you something that, I know this is a weird analogy, but it's the best thing I could do, right? I'm just, work, just work with me. Act like it's super deep and sound. Just... <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that you're going to get pregnant because men, that's just, uh, I, can't, I can't go there. But you, you can visualize the fact that God wants to make room and it's going to stretch you. And it's going to hurt. And it's going to pain you. But you know what? On the other side of it, you'll say, I could never live without this. And so I want to encourage you. I want to pray for you today because some of you, man, you, you're feeling it. You're feeling it right now. You're like, you know what? This is what I needed to hear today. I needed to hear that I belong. And I needed to hear that God's trying to make room in my life. And God, I might be surprised with what he does and how he does it. He doesn't always follow our framework and our plan, but he does have a plan. And there might be some people that aren't going to walk with you. But I'm telling you today that if you make that decision, not only will God send you people, but he's sending people, he's sending you to the people that needs you. I want to invite those who maybe just need to say, God, I just want you to make room in my life. I, I just know that my life is not what it should be. I know my life is not, I'm carrying stuff that I shouldn't. My life is cluttered with stuff that doesn't belong. I'm tripping over the same thing over and over again. I need you to help me make room for what you want to do for me. And if that's you, I just want to offer a word of prayer to you. I want to pray a prayer in faith. And all you got to do is just believe. Just believe in your heart. Nothing is impossible for him. So I'm going to pray this prayer with you. If that's you, just pray along with me. Just tell God that this is you that I'm praying. The prayer I'm praying, I'm praying with you. Dear Lord in heaven, we, we need you. We need you to open up our eyes 
to what you're doing in the room. We want you to put us in the room and give us the gift that you promised us. And Father, as you do that, as you reveal to us the sickness in our souls, you reveal to us the pain in our hearts and the things in our lives that are not of you, I pray that you will send healing and forgiveness that we accept through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, we want to be ready when you come. But we don't just want to be ready for ourselves. We want other, We want this place to feel like home for those who need to learn the same thing, that we do belong to you and that you have died for us and that you want us to live a life abundantly. So I pray today a prayer for all of those who are deciding today to make room for you in their lives. May they know today that they belong to you, and because they belong to you, no one or nothing can snatch them out of your hand, and that there's nothing that's impossible for you. So I pray that you would heal. I pray that you would forgive. I pray that you would restore. I pray that you would remind people of what you've called them to be and what you've called them to do. And so, Lord, we celebrate the fact that you are with us and that this place is home. You've given us a place to call home, to be a part of, and to build for our friends, our family, and our community. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for making room for us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you.